Welcome to, to another episode of Scuttlebutt. I'm Nick. I'm here with Vic, who's not on mic. William. Howdy. And we have our special guest today. We got Elise McKelvey. Hello. And we've got Chris Battles. Hello. Artist from the uh, uh, combat artist. Program. Combat artist. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just pulled a blank on the museum. The uh, yeah. National Museum of the Marine Exactly. We have many names. <laughs> Combat artists. So before we get into what exactly combat art is, we're going to kind of just, so people who don't know, just kind of run through uh, you guys' background. So who wants to take it first? Elise was going to take it first. (laughs) Nice. All right, Elise, how did we get here today? Well, that is quite the adventure. Um, How did I get to the combat art program specifically or here in life? Yes. I mean, mean, it's an open (laughs) question. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's start with how'd you get to combat art, and then if the conversation takes us there. We, right. can, we can find the existential points of life. Well, I've always been an artist since I was young, and I ended up going to art school at the Art Institute of Boston. In my sophomore year of college, I took a art history class called the History of Illustration, and it brought up combat art. And I was like, what is combat art? I never heard of this. And I instantly go home and start researching it. And Chris Battle's name comes up, Mike Fay, all these artists that were in the program. And I start calling them and emailing them. Like, this is really intriguing to me. I've never heard about this. I need to know more. Some people say it's like a calling, right, Chris? Like everyone in the program sort of. I think it is, yeah, definitely. And um, so that kind of led me to deciding I wanted to be in the Marine Corps. Uh, Marine first, artist second, as we like to say. And fast forward eight and a half years, and I'm in the program. <laughs> All right, that is extreme cliffs notes. We're used to like wandering <laughs> like 20 minute stories of how we got here. Okay, well, so let's let's dig so in a little many, bit. There's so yeah. many side paths <laughs> along the way. But so you, you, you <laughs> that's said the com- cliff notes version. Yeah, you said combat artists really spoke out. So like, what about it specifically? Um, for me, it was. The fact that there were artists on the front lines. So in the Marine Corps Combat Art Program, we are heavy on Marines viewing what's going on in the Marines telling the Marine Corps story. Um, We do have civilian artists come in who never served in the Marine Corps who we trust as individuals. But for the most part, it's that Marine first-person perspective that's in our collection. And that was very intriguing for me because I didn't grow up in a military family, right? So Mm -hmm. it was... The, the storytelling aspect of it, it just all of it was very interesting and new. So as you're hearing about combat art for the first time in your life, you're like, oh, this is a thing? Yeah. Like, what was the next step from there? Like, you're discovering combat art, you're doing your research, you're like, okay, I, do all the branches have combat art? How did you find the Marine Corps? Right. All the branches do have some form of an art program, um, but the Marine Corps, of course... We're the best branch, right? So we have to do it better. And I think um, to join the Marine Corps, you you already have to have some sense of wanting to be the best at whatever it is that you're doing. Not that there's anything wrong with the other branches. They have some amazing artwork in their collection as well. But for me personally, because I'm more than an artist, right? I I ran cross country in college. I did all these things that you don't already fit, that like artistic stereotype. And it just made sense for me to join the Marine Corps. Um, so you're already an athlete then. You got in the Marine Corps. So you don't get to be an artist as your MOS first, right? So what what MOS were you in? 
I was, at the time, it was called Combat Camera. Yeah. So, like, graphic design, print production, um, photography, and then now it's called Comstrat. So they took all those and merged them into one job, um, which, you know, it's very similar to the Combat Art Mission in terms of wanting to share our story with the public. But um, the Combat Art Program, there's no filters on what you're drawing. So it's very mm -hmm. raw. And uh, what were some of your mo uh, most memorable tours? Most memorable tours. Oh, we're just, we're like skimming through all of it now. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're used to, okay, so uh, just a little bit of groundwork for you. Most of the time we get someone on the other end of the mic there, they're like, we have to slow them down a little yeah, bit. Tell yeah. them sea stories. They're like, man, <laughs> I've never wanted to tell my story of my life I more know, than know. right now. And you got done in like 45 seconds. Just now we're kind of scrambling a little bit. Um, well, I, yeah, I guess I was just trying to introduce myself in the quickest <laughs> way possible um, because there's Chris over here as well. And I think um, in terms of the art program, there's like this lineage of artists. There's only been 358 of us officially. Good question. I'm number 357. There's more after me. Yeah. So there hasn't been a lot of us, and our program's been around since 1942. Um, we're going to hit our 80th anniversary next year, which is very exciting. Um, so when you're in the program, it's like it's all of us. and we're all part of sharing this one story. So for me personally, it's always really hard to like narrow in on what I'm doing because I'm supposed to be the one behind the sketchbook, right? Mm -hmm. Telling stories of other people. And when you get a combat artist in this hot seat, it's like, oh, now we actually True. have to talk about ourselves and like how we got here in <laughs> our journeys. Like now I'm supposed to tell your story, not my story. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of, I think, why we are the way we are. But um, uh, so my most memorable deployments, well, I did one deployment with the 15th Marine Expeditionary Unit in 2015. That was technically my only deployment in the Marine Corps, and it was a year long. Um, this was, I wasn't even in the combat art program yet, so everything I was doing was kind of on the side, doing my own thing. And um, yeah, but you were unofficially a part of the program. We knew yeah. we wanted you to be. We were like, yes, you know. Yeah, at this so point, everybody yeah. knew who I was. Cause yeah. Like I said before, when I was in college, I was calling all these people asking how I get into this program. They're like, oh, keep keep working, practice some anatomy, learn how to draw people moving. You'll get there someday. And then at some point, our program sort of lost funding for a little while because they were building up the museum, beautiful museum, and um, so there was no opportunity officially and then 2015 I deployed and then in 2016 the funding came back for the program and that's when Charlie Grow, the deputy director at the time was like hey you want to be a part of the combat arts program now and it's still not a primary job but basically all that changed was now I had like an official drive to keep doing this because before it was just on my free time and Weekends didn't have much of a life, I guess, <laughs> besides <laughs> drawing. But drawing is life. Drawing yeah. is life, and I mean that's how you get better. You just keep drawing. I shouldn't say that. I did have a life, but like, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I but did an draw a life. lot. <laughs> yeah, that, but that, that is the artist's life. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I right run often. marathons and stuff too, so it's not like Yeesh. I wasn't doing. I was doing other things. <laughs> like in uh, by the way, uh, she could do twenty pull-ups when she was on active duty, could. didn't you? Yes. Yeah. That, that comes from that stubborn, like, Marine Corps mentality. And, um, for, like, before females had to do pull-ups, I was like, oh, I think I can do pull-ups because I just want to show that I can yeah. do them. And so I started 
training them and it took I think one year to get one pull up but then it was like a snowball effect after that I was able to get more of them and uh now I'm almost back to that I've been that's good I've been hitting the gym a lot lately I've been doing pull-ups too but I'm not going to tell you how many I'm <laughs> yeah, doing yeah. right now should yeah i'm working on draw at the same time yeah <laughs> with a ske- one arm pull-ups with a sketchbook and a pencil yeah we're just training for art missions here <laughs> you never know when that skill will come in handy i know right uh, yeah. absolutely <laughs> I, know. I know i'm getting sidetracked on the deployment part but that was the one deployment and then when i was in the art program we finally i was able to do some missions solely for the art program and i went to iraq for a little bit um and then a bunch of training ops throughout like 29 palms um quantico and then recently we covered the refugees on quantico as well and then i just w- came back from a trip at um bogue air force air base bogue air base with the marines out there um for a few days and it was, it was good all right um before we get too much into the weeds about the actual combat art Chris, can you give us a yes a, st- a rundown of how you got well, to combat art? Longer it, than 45 seconds. Well, exactly. <laughs> well, it's the same in a way. Uh, it's about networking, and it's yeah. about personality, because it um, we're a very small group. You know, across the services, we're not. There's not a lot of people. It's hard to find somebody who wants to be or is an artist who's qualified to do art and also is capable of deploying. It's hard to find that mentality together and just the, the skill set. So it's a small world. So I was um, working down in Florida doing portraits and landscapes, that sort of thing. I was out of my previous enlistment. I'd been a Marine Corps reservist for 10 years. And then I saw this blog talking about this war- this warrant officer, Mike Fay, who was in Iraq at the time. And I was just, my mind was blown. And I, because I had remembered seeing, you know, Colonel Waterhouse's work all throughout wherever I was in the Marine Corps. And so I had heard about Marine Corps art, but I didn't know that they had had the job again or whatever. So I emailed him and said, this is great, good job, this is wonderful. And he had been a recruiter in the past, an award-winning recruiter, and so he sort of started reeling me in, you know, fishing, and said, well, hey, can I see your work? Um, You're a prior Marine, hmm? And then so he said, would you be willing to talk to us here uh, at the history division and also to the uh, talk to the deputy director Charlie Grow. So one thing leads to another. I asked the wife. She's like, "Okay." And by golly, uh, the next thing I know, at 38 years old, I'm reenlisting in the Marine Corps. And within two months, I'm in Iraq on my first combat art deployment. So you've been in the Marines and didn't know about the combat art? Well, I didn't know that that there was any such program. I'd seen yeah. it right, mm-hmm. and um, I think at that time there still was the Illustrator MOS. But yep. my recruiter didn't tell me about that. Oh, of course, back that guy. in the day, yeah. But so, but I, but I didn't know that they were actually doing it again until I saw Mike Fay uh, on that blog. What's the uh, reenlistment process like for coming in the Marine Corps at 38 years <laughs> old again? <laughs> well, it's I had such flashbacks because I had to go to the medical the MEPS station, and so the, all the physical, all that stuff was the same uh, as standing in line, swearing an oath, all that stuff. Uh, I can't imagine it. It know, was crazy. Of, only being out a year and going back. And right. It was. Back. I had a decade out. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and everyone's kind of looking at me funny, like, "Who's this old?" And they let me. I was a sergeant again, so that was good. I didn't have to come back in at like a lance corporal or something. That would be bad, because it's hard enough being a 38-year-old sergeant, much less uh, a lower rank than that. But um, the whole processing was the same, just like when I was just out of high school, and um, 
So it was 20 years, one month, and one day after I originally enlisted, I re-enlisted. That was uh, 2012? No, it was 2006 when I re-enlisted. And then I, uh, so June, late June, re-enlisted. August was brought up on RCT orders just to get familiar with the uniforms, go out to the rifle range again. And then in September of 2006, I was mobilized. And then in October, I was in Iraq on a short-term deployment. And you were deployed, so... month and a half, two months, something like that. Yeah. They, they don't send the artists over for very long, which is great, by the way, <laughs> because, I mean, it sounds prima donnish. Like, we don't want to ruin your mojo. So, you know, they, they, they'll send over the artists and, and the historians as well for a shorter term just because it, it um, your productivity and your... They, they want to get you back and working as quick as they can on, the like, the bigger fine art stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then so that was... Your 2006 and seven. Yeah. Then I went back to Iraq for another month and a half in 2007 with the Osprey Squadron. Okay. And then I went to, oh gosh, all over for training. Um, I went to Haiti in 2010. Oh, I went to Afghanistan in 2009. So anyway, all over the place. Um, whenever they had an emergency, like the earthquake in uh, Haiti and then the hurricane mm -hmm. in the Philippines. So I was sketching after that too. Whenever their story needed to be told. Basically, right? boom. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a point there um, where I don't know if it was true or not, where I saw a story that you were the only combat artist. I was for a while, yes. Yeah. So when uh, one Officer Faye retired, I was sort of the last vestigal mm -hmm. artist. Yeah. Um, and and w the Navy had, at the time, they had a civilian and a Navy reservist. So it was shrinking. The whole combat art world was shrinking. And the Air Force was, they had just closed down their program, I think, by then. You know anyway. why that was shrinking down? It's just an old. Um, so after Vietnam, the the MOS kind of went away, and I just think it's just a matter of um, being in the minds of the people who are making MOSs and that sort of thing. And it just sort of slowly kind of was out of focus and out mm -hmm. of. It just didn't maintain its. What do you call it? Um, Prestige. Yeah, and, and so it just maybe it wasn't seen as necessary. Um, or too old school. Because even in 1942, they were asking the question, why do you need artists mm -hmm. instead of photographers? Very so, common question. Right, and it still is like the question you get. Well, that's going to be the next question, <laughs> yeah. So um, not to put <laughs> your profession under, yeah. under like the scope, but um, why does the Marine Corps or any service need combat artists or an artist in reticence pro uh, program? Uh, what's your pitch? Well, I knew first. Go for it. <laughs> um, for... For me, I always say, like, why limit the way that you share a story? I mean, there's a reason we still have museums today and videos and stories and news. Like, they're all telling stories in their own way, and art does the same thing. Um, there's also something about, at least for myself, going out and being on a deployment where I, my sole purpose was photography. Um, I remember distinctly I was attached to 3-1, an infantry unit, and... The whole idea was I was integrating with them as much as I could, and it took four months or so for me to finally, for them to get used to me, and I think it was because I was taking photos and there was a barrier between me and them, but the minute I took out my sketchbook and started drawing, all of a sudden everyone comes around me and they're like, oh, what are you doing? What is that? That's so cool. Um, and it's an, an engaging sort of activity. Interesting. And, um, there's something about like being drawn or like somebody taking the time to illustrate your story, whether you're on a security post or a mess deck marine or some something that you might not think is very exciting but is actually very important to our mission and to the whole mission of the Marine right. Corps 
and the general public wants to see those stories. Yeah. And art has a way of putting emotion into that that maybe a photo can't. There's an investment of time in there, right? Like that's you can't exactly do, it. Like if you're walking through a mess hall, you just you don't even have to stop walking. Right? You just yeah, you get you get the photos. Going. All right, I hit what yeah. the mission that I came out here for was to capture this moment with my camera, but you know, art is like watching paint dry. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's a slow <laughs> process. Um, sometimes literally. Sometimes <laughs> literally. And, but we do take our cameras with us. Like there are moments where things are moving so quick that we try and get sketches in much as we can but we have to take photos so we'll take those photos and those sketches and go back to our studio afterwards and create like final larger paintings um, but a another reason with art is you can take different moments of a larger sequence of events and combine them into one story on one page where with a photo it's what you take is what you get right yeah we can compress time we can take multiple narratives we can also cut out extra stuff sometimes mm -hmm. a picture it just tells everything and there may be extraneous things in the way in the photograph or whatever but we can say well that's not really necessary to the story and so we're telling the truth I think it was Picasso who said art is the lie that tells the truth so we're constructing this this narrative visually to tell the truth without all the other stuff that sometimes a photograph will have in it mm -hmm. that that can get in the way well, hey, along those lines then um, you know and I, I really appreciate what you had to say about telling stories because that's uh, something that was the impetus behind this podcast is the idea that, you know, stories matter and we're all about storytelling and narrative. Um, but in literary art, uh, you have the benefit of um, being able to use time isn't a restriction. I've got page space. I've got the the written word um and i can take the time to develop and um really craft and shape the environment so i regardless of the genre whether it's short story long form fiction flash fiction there's still an element of scene setting character development and those are the things that bring people to the story so then the narrative then you're able to play out the whole free tags pyramid thing. Um, but it seems to me that for visual art, you maybe are a little more restricted in that sense in that even when you have that ability to sort of combine things and show, you're still, it is still a frozen frame. Time isn't this, so you, you have to make time your friend because sort of inherently it's not. Right. Because all of that context is really outside of the, the frame, if right, you will. Right, you're right. So if I may. You're, yeah, yeah, please. You're, it's like, yeah, in a story, you're, you're using your words and guiding us through, and we're walking down this path, that you're, and you're giving us information, and we're going I'm, along with I'm you. able to control the pace. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're stuck in this two-dimensional frame. And, but we can still guide the viewer around it. We can still put those things in there. And we can do things with time. But we're, you're right, we're still restricted, but we can expand it a bit. Or, Like I did a big, the big painting I did was 10 feet wide and 6 feet tall. It's about the 24th Mew, and it's on the USS Bataan, or Bataan as they say nowadays. Um, and so uh, there's an aircraft taking off, and there's some blue jersey chainsmen running along the deck. And I've compressed time a bit in the image, and so in reality, the blue jersey chainsmen would be going on about a 
60 seconds or something after that one Osprey's far enough out and then you know he calm up so uh, but I so I've compressed it in the image but I am much more restricted than a writer yeah absolutely um, so I guess in that sense then and in, in, in to juxtapose it with a photo when I see a photograph I'm not being invited into that world I'm just viewing a moment in time and maybe it's because of the medium is so I mean it, it is literally a snapshot mm-hmm. right Whereas art is creative and it's generated. And like you said, it takes time. And so I think there's just, I don't know if it's just some, the way our brains are programmed or because we're visual creatures, but we're much more invited into that world to sit and be and partake in that experience. So like what techniques then do you guys use that sort of bridges or that, that makes that time restriction no no longer a restriction. Well, for me, um, a lot of my influence right now comes from another artist in our program. His name is Victor Yuhas, and he was a really well known, or is still a really well known courtroom sketch artist and political cartoonist, and he's done so much work for our program. Um, and his ability to capture movement and Marines running. You could have a Marine run across for three seconds and somehow you'll look back and he'll have a full drawing of this Marine running in his sketchbook and he's (laughs) able to capture. And it looks like he's running. There's some movement in his line work um, that kind of gives the sense that you're watching something moving even though it's still in. Like for me, um, I don't use an eraser that much. I'll draw in Prisma colored pencil, which doesn't erase. So you can see all the lines. You'll see that first first initial line and then all the 10 lines after it to make mm-hmm. that final image. And it gives a sense that this uh, figure is, is moving through the paper, even though he's really not moving at all. It's like animation almost, but flattened. Well, we... Um we also we use narrative. We're, we're usually not just abstract painters and that sort of thing. There's right. a few abstract. So we're we're realists generally and nat- naturalists, uh, sort of like old school, you know, academic. pre-modern. Yeah, we're yeah. academic painters in a way, but we're our narrative painters. So we we are we we do take um, sort of archetypical archetypical settings. So when I'm out looking for images, um, I'm I'm drawing every Marine, you know, like every man or whatever they used to say, every Marine. Um, so I'm drawing and trying to find images that are timeless, human, uh, people can relate to. So I've got an image for, I did for the Navy called uh, Exo's Inquiry, and it's these guys in their Navy whites in this passageway on the USS Ronald Reagan, and they're just sort of sitting there. And uh, I started sketching these individuals when I was on the ship, and chatting with them and write, you know, getting their names and that sort of thing, writing it in the captions of the sketch, and then t- taking a bunch of pictures because I was so interested in their uniforms because you never see the, the white uniforms rarely in this era of blue uh, coveralls and uh, whatever that green camouflage utility uniform is they wear nowadays. Anyway, so I was very fascinated. And then, but I found it was a bad day for them. They're in trouble. They're sitting in the passageway waiting to go to the executive officer's um, office and be judged to see if they're going to be either court-martialed or reprimanded. So it was, it's like going to the principal's office for them. <laughs> but it makes a very interesting image because it's, 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 a, it's a part of Navy life, and we do this with the Marines as well. It's a part of their life that may or may not be considered, um, 
for better word, lack of a better word, sexy. You know, it's not the it's not the great you know thing that gets recruiters excited to get people in, right? Um, but it's important, and it's daily life. It's um, and so I see people that have come in and seen that image, and they know exactly what it is, and they relate to it, even if they were they served in the '60s. Um, it's still something that's timeless, and so we're looking for those narratives and those scenes that can have multiple stories in them. Um, and you're just showing perhaps an interaction between two figures or three or a figure and a, and a piece of equipment, something. So Charlie Groh told me when I first re-enlisted to try to find contrasts, you know, old versus young, um, new versus old, um, that sort of thing. Find these contrasts because in that you're going to find a story. Um, and he also told me to draw a lot of hands and faces to practice. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, for sure. There's a text about that, I side think, too. Like, obviously, being able to, um, I think you get a lot of context by what the the emotion that people wear on their sleeves, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by by rendering the emotion or the narrative that's happening, and and focusing on that, whatever way you do that stylistically, and whatever you do to that picture plane, whatever you put in and whatever you keep out, you're 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 doing that to tell as best you can, as much as you can, because uh, so, so that it'll draw the viewer in yeah, yeah. and keep them there, and then um, they'll walk away with something. <laughs> I think for me it was so frustrating because I had such this innate passion to want to share stories and be a part of this program, but my skills just weren't there yet. And, I mean, it took. It's, I'm still getting better, obviously. I'm no, everybody's always improving. And if you're not improving as an artist or you're getting complacent, then, you know, humble yeah. yourself because there's always ways to improve. But um, I would see how Chris and Mike Fan, all these artists, were able to render these, these moments in time. And I was like, dang, I just want to get to that level. Like, I have these stories that I want to share, but my skills aren't there yet. Um, it's like they say, how do you get to Carnegie Hall, man? <laughs> practice, man. Yep, practice. practice. <laughs> I'm trying to capture time, but also it takes time to get better so that you can capture time. Well, so these are great tools, but I could be, I could have all the right tools in the world in a, in a you know, block of wood and everything, but it doesn't necessarily be, I'm going to make a chair, right? Like, <laughs> so there's obviously that artistic aspect of it. So where do you feel then that, like where where does the art or where does the narrative direct the art and where does the art direct the narrative? So when do the when you find well, I don't that know if ever got that question. question. <laughs> it's a very good question I, because it's both important because I remember as a young Marine standing outside in the passageway getting ready for medical or somewhere and looking up at Colonel Waterhouse's work and being incredibly inspired right. by the message and you then just so, yeah. it for like yeah, so that narrative out. influenced me and influenced influenced my narrative in a sense my life right. So it directed me in a way. Yeah. And then eventually I became an artist because of what I saw. It also just helped me as a Marine. So it did. It, that story that he told, t- told me the story, helped me, and then I was able to, it, it somehow impacted my story. So, so, so let's see if I remember the, correct, the question correctly. Um, how did the narrative affect... Yeah, so as the artist, so like, say you you know you're looking at these at these uh, the sailors sitting in right. the passageway waiting on to potentially get NJP'd or right get exactly. Do you look at it and go, "There's a story here," and then you start drawing, or do you start the art and then go, "Oh, here's the story now"? Because mm. I know as a writer, yeah, I may have like a, a, a sh- some scaffolding, but sure as shit, as soon as I start writing, 
I'm going to be like, this story is directing me in this other direction. If I don't follow it, I'm going to end up scrapping 100 pages and having to start all over again. Well, we have a similar thing with sketches, yeah. you know, and, and I don't know if it was Mike Fay that said um, the, we're the poetry or the, the, the art is the poetry and, instead of the prose. Anyway, but we, those sketches are a way of, of working that issue out in a way. And they not only capture a moment, and they're very powerful if, they're, if, they're, if they work, but it helps you then to see. The thing also that's very important about a combat artist is you, when you're on a, a, a deployment or wherever you are, you got to keep your head on a swivel and you're watching. Just That's what you're constantly looking. And that's another talent you have to have. You have to be open to seeing it because it's going to hit you over the head. Mm -hmm. If you're doing your part, like you say, if you're writing, if you got the outline and you're trying to, it may guide you in a certain way, right? You have to follow that. So I've been in situations where I know kind of what I'm looking for and I go to the, out on the patrol or wherever it is and then suddenly something happens or whatever, then you, of course, can see it and you're doing it. So part of it is just being ready and developing your, your skills and then being open to seeing it. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing with our art collection is it's a collection of art that shows moments throughout Marine Corps history. So if there is a gap in our collection because we didn't have an artist out there at that time, um, we will get a general narrative of like, hey, go cover, make sure you capture the tanks, right. for instance. Um, can but, we uh, go, go uh, further on that? Can you just explain yeah. like, briefly just like the history of the combat art program for the Marine Corps? Um, yeah. Um, so 1942, the, the, there was a need for um, the general public to know what was happening on the front lines. And General Denig at the time, who was the public affairs, in charge of public affairs, brought on these artists to go out and um, capture these moments because photography wasn't as strong back then and there still was a, a, a need for, for art renditions. And um, so between the photographers, the artists, the videographers, and the... Mm -hmm. Um, public affairs. It was the Division of Public Relations that all, all of that sprang Chris, out of. Chris, you're covering up your microphone. Sorry about you, that. If you just bring it up, then you can touch your chin again. There you go. <laughs> I feel like uh, I'm in a science fiction movie. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So, I can see your audio again. Oh, that's interesting. This is you on the bottom down here. You're the quietest one in the room. But don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> wow. Anyway, so, the technology yeah. is amazing. Amazing. You're alive here. Yeah. It looks like it's one like of those. like an EKG. Yeah, EKG. Yeah. Yeah, but you knocked your microphone back earlier, and you were still getting picked up, and then you were touching your chin. Interesting. There, completely blocked your. Good job, Chris. Cool. So I could say something. <laughs> That'll be edited. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm gonna chalk. I'm gonna chalk. Oh, darn. Or leave it in because it's interesting. Leave it in. Leave it in. So General Denig came uh, off of uh, retirement mm -hmm. uh, and was called to be the chief of the newly forming Division of Public Relations. So all of whom the, they called Denig's demons. Yeah, Denig's demons, and so his whole. Um, um, v viewpoint or vision was to bring in artists, journalists, photographers, and that sort of thing, and do the whole thing. So they valued having the artistic part as well as the photographic part. But we were all under the same tent. Yep. Um, and then later, of course, public relations went off one direction, or public affairs, and you had Comic Camera, and the art um, was its own thing for a while. But then we've forgotten... Um, that we we had a place. <laughs> <laughs> well, our the the mission of the art program, and it still is today, was go to war, do art. As simply put, right. um, 
go to whatever situation. It doesn't have to be war anymore, but same concept. Go there, make art, come back, and share it with the public. Give them a viewpoint into the life of the Marine Corps that they might never ever get to see. So when you are – sorry, kind of jump back like five minutes before we mm-hmm. got into the history of it. Uh, when you are capturing the stories, like you're, you're in there by – your own mission. You're you're not there for very long. You're in there. You're captured as much as you can. Your head's mm-hmm. on a swivel, notes, pictures, uh, sketches. How do you keep that all in mind when you get back stateside or get back to wherever you're trying to get to, to be able to kind of parse through this mountain of information right. you have and choose what stories need to get told? I think well, for one, we try and create work as close to the actual event as we can. So I remember when we were in Iraq. It was me, Chris, um, no, you weren't there. It was me, Richard Johnson, Victor Uhas, and CJ, Captain CJ Bauman, um, who's an officer in the Marine Corps, still a combat artist. And uh, we went out on a mission during the daytime, drew as much as we could, and then come back at night and create these final drawings, even if it meant we were up till 4 or 5 a.m. And then we go back out the next day capture as much as we can again come back in the evening and create more artwork um, and then everything and then we would show the commands while we were out there like hey look you know we're actually like doing something that is kind of cool and tells your story and it gets them excited and then it opens up more opportunities um, if we were there another week we, they were okay come on out with us on this thing come out come over here do this we ended up going out the navy seals for a day where the first time we met them you know they didn't want anything to do with us. Don't draw us. Don't look at us. And the next thing you know, we're hanging out in their, their like, barrack. Not barrack. I don't know what it was, really. Their tent, and we're out on some random mission where they're with the Iraqis. And, well, I mean, who um, else is going to do the covered art for all the books they write? Right, like, exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Like, if they're just using <laughs> just glory shots of their, <laughs> stay next to a burned-out Jeep, like, yep. no offense, Andy, but, like. Uh. <laughs> so, ideally, we want to be there for as long as we can because it really does take, like, a week or so for people to get used to us and see what we're doing and then another week for the stuff to really open up mm-hmm. and us go outside the wire if we can or whatever they're doing, go on a patrol. Um, but then everything we can't do while we're out there, we'll come back to the studio and you're trying to do it as quick as you can. But you'll, you'll look at work three years down the line or photos and sketches and be like, oh, I didn't realize that this was going to make such a good story. And then you'll go back and create it. And, um, I don't know if you journal while you're doing things. I I keep a journal as well. And, uh, when we also, when we're sketching, we try to put as much information on the Mm -hmm. sketchbook page as we can. Mm -hmm. And that varies from artist to artist. Yeah. We're trying to get the person involved, maybe the day, definitely where you were and what was going on. Sometimes the they'll be talking, with. they'll be talking, yeah. and you'll be, you'll write down the sentence that like they were quote. saying. <laughs> Something interesting that, that will make you remember the. Yeah. What can was going can on. you actually like walk us through? I guess like the 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 lifetime or of a uh, of a painting or art art you produce. Like how does it like start, <laughs> and then how do you get to like the eventually the finished product? For the ones that survive, just kidding, because <laughs> my wife hates the fact that I've actually destroyed, not Marine Corps work, obviously, but my own <laughs> private Marine Corps work. property. Right. But um, there's been stuff, actually, that I that I forgot in the old studio and that ended up being in part of the collection that was just old stuff that I didn't think was finished, and they took it anyway. I'm like, what did you guys take that stuff for? That's not finished. Anyway, um, so so it starts with the patrol or wherever you are. So you're sketching, you're talking to the person, you're taking photographs. Um, one of my favorite paintings is the um, a little light reading, and it's in the Marine Corps Heritage Foundation office of uh, the front office, and you can see it at the museum. 
but it's a big painting, and it's of these Marines in a little forward operating base, patrol base, in Iraq. And I was, um, I'd just gotten out of the improvised chow hall, which was a little um, uh, connex box or whatever you call it. And uh, I walk out, and there's this uh, cami netting hanging down over them. They're around this little ammo can with a little fire in it because it's cold in, in Iraq in November. And... Um, in the morning, and they're they're um, chatting, and t and I just saw the scene. I thought, oh, I've got to capture the scene, so I got my sketchbook out. I'm sketching these guys. I'm taking a bunch of photographs, uh, and I know that this image is something I have got to share. I've got it right. So you're, that's part of the deal of just being open when serendipity sort of hits, right? And uh, so just I was just capturing as much as I could, and I've gotten several sketches out of the thing. I've gotten paintings out of it, but it then it took months to realize the painting. It's a big painting. So then it's a matter of stretching the canvas and getting the composition right and then doing little sort of figure studies and different things like that. Old school, you know, then layers of paint and hours, dozens of hours later, um, voila, you have a painting. <laughs> and, and then if it gets accessioned in the collection, um, then it's, it's taken care of for yeah. a long time, hopefully. Yeah. And we then it gets on the cover of Leatherneck. Yeah, yeah, and then yes. it, yeah, then it comes. Yeah, up. <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah, you get on the cover of Leatherneck. Oh yeah. yeah self plug. That's. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for that. Yep. I'll pay you later. <laughs> um, okay, so that's all here and now stuff. So you go out, you capture, you see it, you capture it as fast as possible. Now you guys also try and do some historical stuff too, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of just want to jump over to Lee's here real quick because I was just. Because we worked a little bit with Sergeant Major Canley when he got his uh, his uh, Medal of Honor, and I saw you did some of the artwork for him. And I think that you talked to John Legato to do yeah, like a historical. Wow. That's funny. Kind of walk um, yeah, so this was when I was still in the Marine Corps. Um, so I got opportunities where I was able to cover like Medal of Honor recipients. Um, one person I covered was Herschel Woody Williams, last living Medal of Honor recipient on Iwo Jima. I was able to um, share his story. And then another um, individual, Sergeant Major Canley, um, he was a gunnery sergeant in Vietnam during the actions that earned him the Medal of Honor. And I was able to talk to him and John Legato, who was one of the Marines that served under him and kept pushing for him to get the Medal of Honor. I think he submitted it like ten times. Something like that. He even wrote the whole book for it. Yeah, so, he wrote yeah. the whole book. He was he's a, quite the individual. Very interesting. I would like to do a painting on him as well, honestly. But um, yeah. So the the issue we ran into was we didn't have any visual represent representation of what he did on Vietnam besides like written written stories. And so I was able to interview all these people and create this image depicting the moment that um, earned him the Medal of Honor. Um, and I was able to give it to him. Um, and then I also did a portrait, digital portrait painting as him as well that we used during the ceremonies and all of that. Um, and that was, that was pretty interesting. That's actually in the collection. June Thomas did take that. Um, so it's a session. And yeah, that was really cool. He was so nice, too. Like, you would never think that, I don't know. Like, yeah. if you didn't know who he was, you wouldn't know. And I remember I went to his house um, the night before the ceremonies for the Medal of Honor, and he invited me out there, and it was this big celebration with his family and all the Marines. And there's, like, a cake-cutting 
ceremony and um and then throughout like I've I've done some mural paintings for the Marine Corps through various events and he would come out and mm-hmm. to the unveiling and super That's nice awesome. person. But but yeah, that was that was my historical painting and then we have other ish um paintings in our collection where there were like gaps in our mm-hmm. history and we need to hire an artist or have a common artist go back through and recreate these scenes. Um, you've done a few yeah. as well. It's a totally different animal as far as uh, producing it is concerned. You're still worried, of course, about composition and telling the mm-hmm. story and what to put in and what to put out, but you weren't there. So when you're a combat artist, you've seen it. It's, fr- it's from your personal experience. You know, it's go to war, do art. When it's a historical illustration, then it's a matter of making sure that you tell the story accurately, mm-hmm. dramatically if possible, um, but also you have to sort of please all the armchair sergeant's major out there who might have may or may not have some information about your incorrect uniform choice or whatever those guys weren't well actually you know they actually did in this unit this is how they were so you have to be very well researched yeah Yeah, you have to be as if you were there you have to find enough information to depict it as if you were there Mm -hmm. which is a lot more difficult sorry yeah to some extent i mean uh combat artists are historians in 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 nature because you can uh like historians answer questions of what happened and artists uh, military historian or combat artist answer question like what did it look like mm-hmm. and so do you uh, uh, from like your artistic background how do you are able to balance those the like the idea of like you're presenting like, what, historically what this is supposed to look like in, in all accuracy versus I guess like the um, like your, your like your artistic side we're trying to t- tell a story uh-huh. um it's <laughs> 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 a good question that's a very good question uh, well for me when I'm drawing on location I mean I'm really just trying to capture as much as I can in that moment and I personally I'm not really thinking about like composition um maybe you are subliminally maybe I am like subconsciously I am Mm -hmm. like oh there's like leading lines so I'll try to position myself in an area that makes a good composition but I really I'm just trying to capture it um and then there's also situations you know if there's live fire for instance you're not going to be able to sit in front right of now. the weapon and draw like this cool angle so you're you're gonna get what you get um you're, you know a big thing with us is we're not we don't want to be a liability and that's why we have uniformed marines as combat artists um because they're able to pull out their weapon if they need to and assist in whatever is going on um which helps units they're like okay you know they're they're also marines and they know how to move with a patrol and what to do and what not to do and then down the line we'll bring in civilian artists and so we try and make it so it's one marine and one civilian the civilian artists are really good established artists that can help that marine uh, marine with their artistic abilities but then the marine can help them move through if they need it so it's a nice balance yeah, as far as history, telling the story. So history, as you know, is many times th- it's just uh, little events that nobody thought were significant, and sometimes they knew they were True. significant, like but tanks. it's all strung together. What's that? Like tanks leaving, uh, tanks, you know, covering sure. tanks. Yeah, yeah. and so you, you never don't realize oh, two months gone. later they'd be right. gone. Right, I wish yeah. we would have gotten sketches, whatever. But so a good example, so Richard Johnson and Mike Fay were doing the, they were sketching for the um, Joe Bonham project. Oh. Kyle Carpenter. Yes. Just by chance, a young Kyle Carpenter, fresh back from his wounds, recovering in Walter Reed or Bethesda. It was a little side hospital. Okay. Um, Would you they had where moved it was? him. It was, a, it was a hospital specifically for brain neurology. There you neurology. go. And, and so they didn't know, and they meet him. They're sketching. They take his name down. 
there's several artistic renderings of Kyle Carpenter, Wally's Recuper. That's actually a wonderful historical record now. And he was, was of course, a Medal of Honor recipient. Yeah, nobody knew. And nobody he didn't, didn't know, know at the time. And yeah. you guys do such a good job documenting everything as you sketch stuff. That makes it easier later, right? Right. And well, and, and one of the good things about what we do is we provide a visual record. So let's say you're a writer, and you, uh, all of our images are available in the public domain if you're a historian or a writer. And so we can provide a visual for the written word as well. So when doing some of your historical work, because um, I've, I've, I've gone on and seen uh, some of the stuff you all have done, um, do you use uh, like dummies? Do you get like actual equipment? Do you like photographs? Do you have like models go and, and do the things and get the angle? Like how? What's that process? You've been researching. <laughs> I know. It's great good. homework. These guys, man, pay them more. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Say listening? that out pay loud. Them more. Pay them more. That's on the record. Yeah. yeah, good deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, very good question. And we we do all of that. So um, we try to make sure we get the right gear and equipment. There's a um, the U USMC historical company. Uh, Gunnery Sergeant Williams, retired, is a wonderful resource uh, for uniforms. A lot of units will utilize their services. Um, to, he, he provides, he's got uh, period uniforms all the way back to the Revolution, the Colonial Marine Corps. And so we literally will craft the scene. You have to, you know, you do what's called thumbnail drawing. You craft the scene, what you'd like to show. You, okay, so what am I supposed to be telling? What's the key moment in this battle or this, this campaign? Then I you might construct the image to where it's a visual, a, a decent image. Um, and then you say, okay, so now I know this, is, this has got to be the way it is. What were they wearing at the time? Give a call to, the, to the whoever's got the equipment, and they can provide living models to wear it, and you can pose them just like Norman Rockwell used to do in his studio back in the day um, with local people. He'd dress them up, and he'd mm -hmm. pose them. And you literally pose them, and you can take a bunch of different reference shots and different angles, and then you go from there, and it helps a ton with solving all those problems visually of where they need to be and you're not just basically guessing. <laughs> yeah, like when I did Sergeant Major Canley's painting, I, I didn't have access to that at the time and so I had to rely on the Marines that served under him and like their depictions of what happened and then I just tried to heavily research the rubble, Vietnam rubble. Um, when I did the painting of Herschel Woody Williams, um, he was a flamethrower on Iwo Jima and every image that came up of flamethrowers was they were standing, you know, pointed towards whatever target. And so that's how I painted him. And then I show him the painting and he's like, that's not right. <laughs> and <laughs> I, he was like, actually, we were in the prone most of the time lying down, shooting in because, you know, they were yeah. a pretty big target on Iwo Jima. And so I redid it with him like in the prone but that's cool yeah because yeah. hollywood tells me they're standing up all the right. time so. yeah he was his, he crawled <laughs> well, in and this gets to the question of illustration and the artistic license there's so many excellent paintings out there from history that aren't so good at really telling it how it really was you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's good and it does tell the story plus so there's something called history and there's something called heritage and i was talking to gunny williams we were discussing this difference and we love both of them in the Marine Corps. We love our history, and we love our heritage. And sometimes they're not quite the same thing. And the heritage can be wonderful and glorious, as can the history, the facts. But sometimes we like the heritage, you know, like that, that it's the standing Marine and, you know, <laughs> the rifleman, and he's on Iwo, and he's shooting, and he's standing up. Well, no, probably not, right, unless he was had a death wish, right? Yeah. So it's a wonderful heritage. They were brave, and they were, they were shooting, but the history was that they were getting it done in a slightly different mm -hmm. manner. 
And I feel like that's an issue for, especially like for um, like commercial artists who do historical and military art, just by the nature of like, you're on top of it, like this is your job, this is how you get money and what's going to sell more prints. Yeah. Right. What's the more, you know, the money shot or whatever, what's the, you know, the, the guy standing up with the tank. The iconic. Yeah. The image. iconic, yeah. yeah, the guy with the flamethrower standing up is, mm-hmm. you know, or, or uh, pictures of uh, Bastalone. He's got the machine gun. He's, you know, yeah. it, yes yeah. and no. You know, he definitely was advancing under fire with his machine gun, but he's not, he's you not know, shirtless. He's pose. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't this big, grand, heroic pose as they would have in Hollywood. Well, it's interesting, too, because when I was in the Marine Corps and my primary job was Comstrat, public public affairs, stuff like that, where our whole mission was to share the story of the Marine Corps, but in a, in the correct light, right? So if a Marine has his hands in his pockets, for instance, we couldn't release that as an, an official image because... Marines aren't supposed to have their hands in their pockets. But with the <laughs> combat art program, er- anything goes, and you can paint and capture the raw moments. Um, that's what I As love about were. our program. Yeah, that's it's what's very, great about like, honest. Yeah. There's no commercial necessarily. Now, there are there is work in our program that's never been seen by the public because maybe it is so raw and so real that the public isn't even ready to see it mm. yet. So what do they do with those for the for the time being? Will those ever be released or? I'm thinking like some the Vietnam, have, a lot of the, yeah, yeah, some of it have. Well, one good that's not Marine Corps art, but the um, um, World War II Victor's mentor. Oh, um, Howard, Howard Brody. Brody. So Howard yeah. Brody had a famous image where he sketched the Germans who had infiltrated in American uniforms uh, in the Battle of the Bulge. He had depicted, he got to be there when they were executed by firing squad. Mm. And he drew the after effects of that with a German soldier kneeling or um, leaning over tied to the post with blood coming out the mouth. And that was one of the only images censored in the war that the public was not allowed to see it. And so finally it was released years later. But, um, and we have a few that probably can be releasable. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of need or, or the moment. Um, I don't know if there's a time frame on that, you know? I yeah, so. I don't know, but I, don't know. I, I always think like, oh, we we look at work from World War II and Marines have their uniforms in all different kinds of ways. And I don't hear Marines being like, ah, how dare they wear their uniform yeah. like that? But Marines in current day uniforms are a little more like, oh, that's not the right way to portray it. So it just takes time, I think, to show some of the work. Okay. And kind of looking back at some of that historical art, uh, or not even just, just past artists, really, like Waterhouse and... Um, I just drew a blank on the other name that keeps coming up. Uh, uh, Harvey Dunn. Uh, uh, Howard, Howard Brody. Brody. Of course he's um, in the Army. Um, Mike Faye? Faye. Faye. <laughs> Faye. Oh, oh. Faye keeps coming up. Sorry. He's not history. Mike Faye I, is I, currently if, active. If, if I had... If you see a guy running around in a kilt, that's that Mike. Mike Faye. If that's I had a pencil, I would have written that down. I apologize for being unprepared. But uh, <laughs> it's like Waterhouse Faye and some of these guys that you keep bringing up. Um, and you look at them as like... They're all out there already, right? Uh, I guess Faye's still working, but like there, there are right. works out there. I'm going to use Waterhouse to segue into something else here in a minute. But uh, <laughs> uh, so when you're looking at that, and some like especially Waterhouse, like it's very dramatic. Um, he he re- did a really good job picking his subjects. Like sure, would be mm-hmm. a way of saying it, especially like the Wall of Tarawa one. Um, so how do you look at that and like kind of translate that into what you're working on now? Like you're trying to like maintain the lineage of combat art i guess is that ever even in your mind or 
Um, I don't think they really dictate our style necessarily or like how we portray things, which is one thing I love about the art program is it yeah. really is like anything goes. But there's also a huge influence by all the artists. And at, one day we really need to go down and see like, oh, this artist knew this artist. And you can see their influence in their work. Um, and you, it'll like trickle down the line. Like for me, my painting, I am heavily influenced by Waterhouse. And I don't know if I never saw his work, would I be painting differently today probably well your cantley um, one has some definite yes and, and i did that yeah. specifically because waterhouse did a lot of those historical mm -hmm. paintings and i wanted it to fit into like that collection if they were ever to like show it all together um and so yeah i was heavily influenced on like the waterhouse okay. and how he uses color and and lines and all that yeah i think uh tom lovell is another one who was uh, mm -hmm. world war ii artists who worked for Leatherneck, by the way, during the war. They didn't yeah, a lot of the artists him because he was so talented. They said, come here. Yeah. And Clymer, John Clymer, and so Tom Lovell and John Clymer yeah. worked for the Leatherneck and um, produced, the, there's another Tarawa image, wonderful Tom Lovell yeah. did. Um, but it's, he wasn't at Tarawa, mm -hmm. but he crafted this wonderful image that is historically accurate, r relatively historically accurate, and full of heritage as well. Yeah. Um, and so when Waterhouse, Colonel Waterhouse was very good about being dramatic, and so that the big Tarawa painting, mm -hmm. it's one of my favorites. Um, from an artistic standpoint, it's dramatic and, and, and glorious, but it's also got, um, he's got a part of, uh, you can see in his process where he's splattering paint with to show explosions, like yellow paint. You see the fire bursting. It's fascinating from an artistic standpoint as well, and it's so big. <laughs> you, yeah. you enter into it practically when you're in front of it. Yeah, um, like we, you can only share bits of it online at a time because it's you know, really wide. <laughs> well, and, and art, too. Yeah. Like, we went to um, the Philadelphia Academy of Art, or Fine Arts Academy. I can't remember what the name of it is exactly. Forgive me, Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was a, it's a beautiful museum, and they had the World War One exhibit that was traveling around the, the country and came from Britain. And was, but anyway, uh, the John Singer Sargent painting called Gast was in there, and it's a World War One era painting that he had done. And not many people know that John Singer Sargent was a war artist and went over to the front lines and sketched and did wonderful watercolors. And then this big oil painting called Gast, and it's 23 feet wide by almost ten, nine feet. <laughs> it's huge. And th th it doesn't ever reproduce as well as it is when you're in front mm -hmm. of it. You can't see the color, the texture, all the stuff. So it tells a certain story if you're in its presence, which certain things online just can't do. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing about like the Tarawa painting by Waterhouse. It's just it's in your face, and it's you experience it. It's so big, you know. Yeah, and I'm going to use that just to kind of segue real quick. So Waterhouse was the first Marine Corps artist in residence, and you, Chris, are the second. I, I'm the second official artist in residence. Yes. And so that's that's a very short list, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I I, I I was very uh, proud that they selected me to be that. Because I didn't know as a young Marine that that was my future. Yeah. I just saw this cool artwork and was angry at my recruiter that I wasn't ever <laughs> an illustrator <laughs> or anything else like that, right? Um, so, yeah, there's not a lot of names on that list. Yeah. So there's big boots to fill. So that, that does uh, wear on <laughs> one's uh, psyche, I guess. <laughs> no pressure. Um, but it's an honor because um, uh, not only was Colonel Waterhouse, Waterhouse very proficient and prolific, but he was also a very nice guy. So a wonderful man. 
um, who was painting all the way into his 80s, was delivering work to the collection, um, just cranking it out. Almost literally at the end of his life was still painting. The his his uh, he had a little improvised studio in his in his uh, bedroom there with his uh, daughter. Uh, he was living at his his daughter and son in law's place before he passed away. But he was literally painting with the easels right near his bed. <laughs> yeah. So he was doing it right until the end. Yeah. Um, something that's a little bit harder to do from your bed is sculpture. Oh yes, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, technically possible. <laughs> well, uh, this is a, a really rough segue into uh, a marine in his in his donkey. Was was mule. It? Oh, and mule. his mule. Yeah, his mule. Well, actually, it's it's the the title I've sort of switched around is actually a mule and his marine. A mule and his marine. So I they knew that the Marine Corps. This is one of those instances where they wanted a specific piece. Normally, they don't tell us what they want, or they don't. They'll say we kind of need something for artillery or the tanks, or could you go get something on the chaplaincy or you know medical or something. So they knew they wanted a sculpture, and they knew they wanted something about the animal packing the, the mules because it's mm -hmm. a wonderful bit of history that's uh, anachronistic part of the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. So I was going to go, by golly, do a sculpture of a mule and a Marine uh, handler. So, so they sent me to Bridgeport. I, I had to enroll in the school. <laughs> <laughs> so I, in my record book to this day is a certificate saying that I passed the animal packing course, and it was in my record book that I had that, that secondary MOS. It was awesome. Anyway, so <laughs> but I had, to, I had to deal with this mule called Ozzy. Mm -hmm. Ozzy never wanted to stay in the mule train. He always wanted to kind of get up ahead, and, and it's kind of dangerous when you're out in the mountains with a mule, very big animal, and sometimes if he's got an independent streak, which most mules do, uh, it can be troubling. So that's one of the reasons I titled it A Mule and His Marine, because you're <laughs> he's kind of <laughs> leading you sometimes. Um, yeah, but that's, that was a whole different medium for you. Was oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Mike Fay got me started in sculpture. Uh, he had started doing sculpture, and he went to classes, and it was – I'd always done it as a kid with modeling clay. So I'd always worked when I was a kid either sketching or doing modeling clay, but I, I always wanted to do, you know, professional sculpture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was a great opportunity to do it. So, yeah, total different mindset. Sculpture is a totally different animal. You're you're dealing with composition in three dimensions, so mm -hmm. your composition has to be pleasing or effective from every way you look at it, and that's totally different. So yeah, yeah. But it's something more that you can touch, but you don't get to play with color as much on it. So right, like, how do you mm -hmm. like try and interpret? Like you obviously now are a mule expert, so yes, yes, um, yeah, yeah <laughs> the certificate I can and everything. Hitch, yeah. <laughs> I'm right. I can hitch that stuff to that mule and and uh, all that stuff. Um, so the, the interesting thing about sculpture is um, it's tactile. It's, of course, painting can be this way, too. Mm -hmm. Some of the great art that I like to look at has texture to it. It's not just a photograph. It's not the best paintings, I think, have texture. They're almost sculptural sometimes. But sculpture is the three dimensions. It is the object itself. It is the physical in-your-space thing. And it, it, the color isn't there, generally speaking. Uh, the Greeks actually used to paint their sculptures. We you, we always have them classical. They're mm -hmm. they're just the marble or they're just the bronze. Maybe it's patinaed, but color isn't part of the deal. Um, but it's wonderfully fulfilling when you're making moving around the clay or the or the wax, and it looks like in miniature what you were wanting it to look like. Just like when you're painting that thing, wow, it looks like what I wanted it to look mm -hmm. like. Um, but it's just a different animal, in this case, literally yeah. an animal. And that kind of <laughs> – so I'm just going through a bunch of really rough segues here at the end here. So 
so sculpture is a very classical medium. You guys do a lot of painting, a lot of sketching. Um, there's a lot of digital world in the future. There's a lot of uh, VR, yeah, like you know, yeah. the metaverse or whatever. I, I'm getting a sense of despondence from you, Chris. Like, what do we, what do we think about the future of the combat art? He's program? old school. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> Sorry. No, it, I think we definitely have to find a way to be digital. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are some ways, I think, the, the, from a curatorial standpoint, though, I think we have to find a way to embrace that way of creating but have something to curate at the end that isn't just digits that can disappear when the EMP comes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You have to have something yeah. to curate. You have to have something to show as part of your story. Artifacts, when you see, you know, uh, Chesty Puller's Navy Cross, you know, the fifth one, or whatever you see. Like, you can see it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Dan Daly's Medal of Honor, or we have, as a matter of fact, in the museum, the sledgehammer head that was used uh, at Harper's Ferry to, uh, to uh, get John Brown, you know. The Marine Detachment used that to get into the building. So we have this artifact, this almost holy relic. Well, if you're just doing digital, mm -hmm. where, you know, you're still, there is the holy relic of the story, but that what there's something powerful about that object or that painting, and I think this is the power of art itself over just the image itself or just the photograph. Or just, you know. So we have to find a way to embrace the creation using digital means, but we need to have some way to translate that, I think, at least, oh, yeah. into, into something that's tactile or experiential. It's pretty interesting because when I was in the Marine Corps, my job field didn't want much traditional work as part of it everything had to be digital because it's mm -hmm. more commercial you know brochures things like that um where on the combat art side they don't want any of my digital work it's only traditional so it's just an interesting juxtaposition of um what you should and shouldn't do um for me i i love digital because it's really helped me become a better traditional artist in terms of color and you know messing around with color without having to waste supplies um, the expedited nature of digital art. You can crank things out very quickly. Um, you can animate. Um, I've told stories through animation at this point that maybe I think there's a place for it in the art collection. It's just, you know, getting to that point where we figure out a way to be able to archive it. And I think that's the biggest issue, yeah. issue is how, how to archive it. It's not that th they necessarily don't want it in the collection. Um, because I've had I've done some digital paintings, like for instance I did um, General Neller's portrait painting when I was in the Marine Corps, and it's part of the collection of the Commandant's portrait paintings. Every Commandant has its portrait done. Um, there were no funds, or they cut the funds to have an artist traditionally paint it. So I was like, well, why don't I digitally paint it? And so I used oil painting techniques digitally so that it matched that collection and it sits in the Pentagon as well as the home of the Commandants. And um, it's a beautiful painting. Yeah, uh, I yeah. use the same techniques right. as you would traditionally. I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not had that background in traditional art at this point. So it all kind of like meshes together. But that painting itself isn't in our art collection officially because it is digital. Mm. Um, so it's just, yeah, I, I don't think there really is an answer, except that we're just not there yet. And, you know, the military tends to be behind on the times in a lot of ways. Um, it's a glorious anachronism. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe 10 years from now we'll, we'll have well, a way. There are some uh, uh, um, uh, Richard Johnson, one of our civilian artists, he has a wonderful little sort of 
sketch pad that digitally records where his pen moves. So mm -hmm. he, as he puts pen to paper, he records with the pen and ink. He has a drawing to show, but it also records digitally how where the pen went. And he can download yeah. that, and you can see exactly how his image, and yeah. you can watch it appear in real yeah. time. That's a wonderful It's amazing. Way to do it's, yes. you know. <laughs> That's a wonderful compromise between <laughs> digital and old school <laughs> analog. Yeah. yeah, you just kind of have to show. I've found that like in my career, you know, going back to the portrait painting as well, you just have to like do it. People might not understand it. You know, I had to somehow convince the commandant and all these generals that this would work. But the only way to tell them, I could tell them all day, I just had to do it and show them that like it was gonna work. Um, so you have to be kind of stubborn in a sense and um, just keep doing it. Like just cause something, somebody says like, oh, we're, we're not accepting that yet. It shouldn't stop you from still doing it and creating and hopefully one day down the line, there'll be a way that it can be accessioned or looked at to be a part of the historical recollection. Okay, so who chooses what art gets accessioned? It's a, like a group. We have a yeah. curator. It's curators. Um, but it, I would say it's like a panel, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it's For a the panel. Most part. The art curator uh, and several uh, other curators get together and look at all the work and see where it fits in the yeah. collection, how it is artistically, etc. And, and it does come down to, um, you know, what what these whoever's looking at it likes, right? So there mm -hmm. is a, a human element to it uh, that just depends on who's looking at it, whether right. they think it would fit or not, which isn't right or wrong. Um, but also another reason to hold on to things, because maybe at this time it doesn't seem like it would fit, but down the line maybe, right. maybe it would work. So. Yep. Okay. Yeah. You got anything, William? He had a bunch of history we, questions yeah, he wanted to check off his list. So. No, the, <laughs> pretty much uh, covered all of them. Um, actually, maybe one lingering one. Um, have you, so again, going back to historical questions, um, have you actually, uh, so we mentioned you used models with the uniform equipment, et cetera. Have any of you had the opportunity to actually go on location for any of the uh, projects you've had to do uh, historically wise? This is one thing that I've always wanted to do. I know the Colonel Waterhouse did. And uh, I've, I've, one of the things I I've always wanted to do is, um, down at um, Guantanamo Bay when um, the uh, John Quick was doing the signaling of the USS Dolphin uh, and they were he was being fired upon. Anyway, it's a wonderful scene. You've seen it re depicted in different uh, things. Um, I've even seen uh, some um, three-dimensional little dioramas of that sort of thing. But to go to see the scene, supposedly those who have been on site still say that there are piles of expended brass from the machine gun, the potato digger machine guns that were being used and they're still there on the battlefield, that would be wonderful as an artist because I could see exactly where they, he was and where they were and actually get a decent picture from that scene. So that, that would take all the guesswork away and you could depict it dramatically but realistically, accurately. But no, I've not yet been to, I'd love to go to like Iwo Jima and that sort of thing as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you have like an official hit list that you want to? Well, I do, yeah, yeah, I do have an illustration list that we're working, yeah. we've developed that will, mainly my job right now is to, for historical illustrations is to depict Vietnam to current day. Where Waterhouse left off. Yes, where yep. Waterhouse okay. left off. So, but right. since some of that stuff is older, I, you know, I, I'd like to dip back into some of the history that's may or may not have been covered. But to go there would be wonderful. Mm. Yeah, I've always been wrapped up in like current day, and I mean, especially because I only just got out a year ago. That all my focus was what was happening in that moment, and I've never really thought much about like going back into the gaps of the collection because that's pretty much what Chris covers as the artist in residence and then all the other artists 
generally are supposed to deploy and cover the current mm-hmm. events is how it's set up, right? Yeah. There's nothing stopping you from doing a wonderful historical There's piece. There's nothing stopping right. me, yeah. I, I love to travel. I mean, the big thing for me in, as a freelance artist is, you know, in a civilian veteran is capturing stories still, just not Marine Corps stories necessarily. So I'll always be traveling. And, you know, if they align, that'd be great. Good thing. <laughs> All right. Well, as we're winding down here, you are you do do freelance art. I Where do, can yes. people find um, you can find me online under the name Ink Stick Art. Um, all platforms, pretty easy. Pretty easy. Yeah. She's Chris. really good with the social media I've stuff. Yeah. I've got the social media down. She's got followers. <laughs> that's why I help run our social right? media. Right, that's why we hired you. That's <laughs> yeah, just you're good yeah. at it. You're so good at it. Chris, do you have anything out there? Uh, I've got an old blog I don't use as much as I should. I, I'm on Facebook because yeah. um, so Facebook sort of devoured everything else. It sort of killed the blogosphere, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, and we'll post Chris's work. We have a right. Marine Corps Combat Art program, Instagram, USMC Combat Art, and then we have a Facebook group where Chris will post all of she his work as well. every day, pretty much, yeah. yeah. You yeah. do, too. Yeah. Like well, your we'll process post. shots yeah. and stuff like that. So. Is there a place for anyone to get uh, prints or anything from the, hist- for the Marine Corps uh, art or historical? Yes. Or um, Marine Corps Museum, request a print. Um, you can go on there. Yeah, it's all one word, requestaprint.com. <laughs> Marine Corps Museum. Yep, and then all all the work that's up on online, you can search any war, any artist, mm-hmm. and the work will come up. Yeah. And you can so like it. when you get on the homepage, it'll it'll show like Navy collection, Marine Corps collection, etc. Don't mind all those other ones. Go to the Marine Corps collection, right? of course. <laughs> <laughs> Although I've got some of the stuff in the Navy, you might want to check out too. But um, and then you'll click on the tab, and then it can show. Then you can search by artist or by like she says by battle or by campaign and that sort of thing. So if any of our listeners are looking for uh, Christmas or birthday presents, you know exactly where to go. Yes. Help, help hey. plug, plug our, uh, our uh, interviewees. Yeah. Reach reach out a few months before Christmas because it does get pretty busy. <laughs> you know, those last yeah. minute Start gifts. Start that shopping in July. There's, yeah. al- there's always <laughs> next year. It's always next. That's right. There's no, you know, reach out now for next year. Okay. Uh, any, at least any commissioning type work? Or you just I do commission work. I mean, I, I love posting on online and, and talking with, younger viewers and helping them with their art and all of that but i do commission work as well and animation storyboarding kind of all over the place all right well there is a bit of a tradition on the on the podcast where the final question and this is going to have to go both ways is what is your best what was your best day in the core so we can anytime any kind of marine corps art so even when you were not in the core you can also throw that in there for this one but best day in the core uh chris you Deferred the first question when we started. So no. You can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what my best day in the core was. I was still in the ring card. My best day hasn't happened yet. But I'm not <laughs> in. <laughs> Every day is a great you day. You can always Every go day. back, though, apparently. <laughs> yeah. can always go back. Right. I'm not um, 38 yet, so yeah, I got exactly. <laughs> I guess maybe when I finally made staff sergeant. Was maybe that was a pretty good <laughs> we'll see long story short i was in originally i made sergeant in 1990 i got out of the marine corps in 90 well into in the rr 94 got out in 96 re-enlisted in 2006 as a sergeant and finally in 2011 i made staff sergeant so finally uh, that's just yeah. 20 years later or whatever it was <laughs> <laughs> just, that's just like overnight man that was right <laughs> right no problem there's so many good that's days like old school <laughs> 
<laughs> so you've never had anyone ask like, why is there this gap in your resume between sorry? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it's just a couple gap. decades. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Don't, Did you have, like, don't an look extra too big hard cake on. that day. Like <laughs> we don't no, talk about that happy, gap. I'm just happy to pin on. <laughs> Elisa, you have a um, best day. There's so many good moments that happened in my Marine Corps career, and I could always say like any time that I got to share stories of Marines and give it to like the family members, especially Marines that were killed in action or like being able to do memorial portraits for me always made it like the best moments. Um, That's a know. very nice answer. <laughs> Thank and you. And it's true. <laughs> and then also graduating boot camp, you know, was pretty good. I was in boot camp for six months. One. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, any time there was like a something bigger than like just you, your day-to-day task and being able to okay. support and help through it. All right, guys. Well, it has been great having you. Um, we'd love to have you back sometime. Um, at least I think you said you had some travel up in your future, but all the time. All the time. <laughs> Going to stay on a boat tonight. But so. uh, yeah, we're just. I mean, we're just. I mean, aside from the gauntlet you had to run to get here. Uh, I mean, the museum's right there. Right. So like. Hey, we have an open door policy too at our studio. So come yeah. on, say Please hi if you're there. The all right. Awesome. Sounds good. So um, on behalf of everybody here, we. Really glad you guys came. Had a great conversation. Um, we got your plugs in. William got his history questions in. Vic got to ask about how art and writing compares. Like, this was a good day. So, uh, just quick disclaimer uh, everything we've said today is our own opinion and doesn't reflect the Marine Corps Association, the Marine Corps, the museum, or anything like that. It's all us. So, without any further ado, thank you guys, and we'll catch everybody on the flip.